Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Inside the Coach's Office. My name is Tom Murphy Jr. here with Coach Brian Barnes, and we uh, welcome back Cannon Dean of uh, Goose Poop, who is, uh, joined us last week, and I think we had a really good show discussing the semifinals, and we're back again for what is sure to be. Uh, we put out a spread, and on Ubly, uh, most of them have favored them. Last week, they, it was the first time they were not favored, and every single time, regardless of whether they're favored or not favored, they've blown it out of the water. Um, so I still think that that is true when I see that ugly who has not really been tested on the field this year at all in a close game is an underdog by three points to Whiteford. I just don't trust my model there. Um, so I, I, you know, if my gut would say, I would say, I think it's ugly by a score, maybe two scores would be the line I would set. So um, that's the, uh, you know, that's, that's the projection there. The, the other thing I, the other qualitative thing or the quantitative thing I'd add is, of our eight final games, this is the one with the highest over-under. Um, it just nearly edges out Muskegon MLK. We're projecting both teams to score uh, five times a piece. So our over-under is about 68, 69 points. So. Yeah. Coach you know, Barnes, um, I, I got a question for you about this. With um, being um, a game that's, you know, it, it's a state championship, so it's already, uh, you know, off the charts for, you know, um, not being a, a normal game, but having a 10 a.m. start, how, how much do you think something like that goes into a preparation for a, a football team playing a game of this magnitude for such an untraditional start time? Yeah, a lot. And um, unless, you know, you're, you're a coach or you're a player that's been there before, you know, it's something it's something new. Um, right. And it's going to be a first for a lot of kids and a lot of coaches and uh you know, it's definitely a challenge because as, as a coaching staff and as a head coach, you know, the coaches are, you know, obviously worried about preparing their team for the, for the game and putting together the best game plan they can. But, you know, you're, you got to figure out travel. You got to figure out, um, you know, what time your kids, you know, what time you want them waking up in the morning for the game, right? How long is the, um, you know, making sure they get breakfast? Uh, how long is their pregame warm up? All that stuff. And, and one of the things that's uh, definitely true as well is, um, you know, in our experience at, Bishop Foley playing in the prep bowl is like that first quarter, you know, especially inside for some reason, like you're, I mean, your adrenaline's going and, and you can get pretty tired, pretty easy, you know? And we tried to stress like, you know, make sure do the best you can. It's a long football game. And we say that every week, but you know, it's a long football game. It's four quarters. Don't overexert yourself too early, you know, make sure you have stuff left in the tank and, you know, take it one play at a time and that, but yeah, that is a definite challenge because, you know, a lot of those kids and, and the coaches, like they're probably not going to sleep all the night before, <laughs> you know, they're excited thinking about the, the football game. And that's, you know, that is a challenge. And um, I'm guessing historically in this game, because of the start time, maybe you have had some, some goofy scores or some, some higher scores, um, you know, because of that um, factor. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to division seven. Um Two perennial powerhouses. Uh, you got Jackson Lumen Christie at ten and three versus Traverse City St. Francis. Uh, this is this will be the first uh, game Saturday at ten a.m. at, at Ford Field. Uh, Cannon, what what are the thoughts on on the this uh, D Division Seven powerhouse matchup? This is a funky matchup, um, and and the reason is the prior history of the game. So if you look at Traverse City St. Francis's record, they're obviously undefeated. They've been rolling in the playoffs, just kind of steamrolling everybody that's in their path. But their single closest game is against Lumen Christie in Week One, a game in which they won by only seven points. 
Uh, I use the adjective only there because of what I just said. St. Francis says, you know, they just beat two very good D7 squads, Ithaca and New Lothrop, by about 60 points apiece. Um, and so uh, you have you have you have on one hand the seven point victory over Lumen Christie, and on the other hand, the model is spitting out a projection that uh, is the single largest spread of the state championship weekend. We've got St. Francis winning by 19 points, so three scores over Lumen Christie. So it's kind of a you know it's kind of who do you believe, right? The week one result or uh, where where the math has St. Francis trending? I certainly err on the side of the model. Uh, both of last week's uh, or both of the St. Francis's last two games, we had them beating Ithaca by 19. They blew that out of the water. And then we just had them beating New Lothrop by uh, I think, I think there were like by 20 points, maybe, 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 maybe somewhere, somewhere on there, 20, 28 points, you know, both, both, both times they blew the spread out of the water. So given just where they're trending, I got to say they, they've maybe got a leg up um, beyond one score over Lumen Christie this time around. Uh, yeah, uh, go ahead, Coach Barnes. Yeah, I mean this this game has some intrigue to me. For me, um, Jackson Lumen Christie is going to be joining the Detroit Catholic League next year, so um, you know we know about their reputation and and, and their history of success um, in, in Michigan high school football. And uh, you know, I week one was a long time ago, right? I mean, team the teams are going to be so different. And so I know last week we talked a little a little bit about rematches, and so how how hard preparing for a rematch, uh, can be, um, you know, the, the, the kids from, you know, the previous losing squad, are, they're going to be more motivated. You know, the game plan will be slightly different and it, it's pretty difficult to beat a team twice, but these teams are so different from week one, every, every team at this point, as the season goes on, you know, you are so different. Um, your health is different. Um, players develop, you know, at different times at different paces, it'll be different. So, yeah, I, I'm with Cam. I mean, it's going to be great. It's going to be interesting to see um, how it shakes out. Yeah. You know, and one final thing too, let me mention, like both of these teams, you know, if you, if you look at their, look at their schedule, like they've, they've beaten a lot of schools. I know they're, this is division seven, but gosh, their, their schedule is full with wins against division two, three, and four schools. So, I mean, these, this is really good football, regardless of school size. Yeah. All right. Division six. We have Nagani at 13-0 versus Grand Rapids West Catholic, 12-1. Uh, this game is going to be played Friday at 4.30. Um, Nagani pulling out a 13-12 victory. What a, what a, what a close game that was uh, versus Reed City last week. And um, so pretty solid matchup here as well, Cannon. Yeah, it's 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 got similar flavors of D seven. So we just talked about how St. Francis's projection projected uh, spread over Lumen Christie has widened since their seven point victory. If you looked at the beginning of the playoffs, we would have had West Cap. We we had the at the beginning of the playoffs. We said West Catholic was going to play Nagani in the state final. That is obviously held true. But at, what has changed is at the beginning of the playoffs, we said West Catholic was going to play a narrow four point. The spread on that game would be four points. Since then. The spread is now widened to 15 points. Now, why has that happened? Well, what simply West Catholic has played basically uh, two of the top teams in D6 and the returning state champ in D6. And each time they have beat the spread, our projected spread. So the last three weeks, they've just been outperforming very consistently. They beat Con a very good Constantine team by 26. They beat the returning state champ by 30. And they beat Clinton last week by, I want to say, 19 or something. So 
that's that's why you see as wide of a spread on the game as you do. Um, you know, talk to me five weeks ago and I would have said that would be much closer. But yeah, this is actually we're projecting this to be one of the this would maybe be the the second least close uh, state final with with West Catholic pulling away by two touchdowns. Coach Barnes, what, what what can you say about this matchup as far as uh, like Cannon said, um, there, there's there's a widespread. So when when you're the team, I guess you, you can kind of speak from both sides of it, like of mental preparation for such a big game, um, where there where, where there's an obvious favorite versus an obvious underdog. Is, is there a sense of of preparation and in, in that mode or is it just are you telling your team whether you're the underdog or the the favorite that you're, you're going to hear playing for everything you know is there is there a balance there at all it definitely is you definitely want your kids to know and, and as a staff you believe this like if you make it to this point you're really good right you're fantastic if you're getting to this point so um regardless of if you're the you know so-called underdog or the favorite it doesn't matter you still got to go play now as, as a coaching staff like you can get an idea if you know, you're going against an opponent that maybe physically they're just a little bit better than you, right? Um, maybe they got a couple skill guys and they're just a little bit better than you. So maybe your game plan is going to have a special wrinkle here and there, right? Maybe there's going to be an onside kick surprise. Maybe there's going to be a trick play, things like that. Maybe be a little more aggressive defensively um, with some pressures on passing downs and whatnot. Try to force the issue a little bit to, to potentially make up for that. But, you know, the, the biggest thing is um, like, you you want your kids to know that you're here for a reason. We're as good as anybody, and, and let's go play ball. Yeah, yeah. I would add to that. You know, I bet you Nagani doesn't see themselves as the underdog. You know, I know my model does, but they're undefeated. Um, you know, I'm not sure how they feel about the game, but I feel like as an undefeated team playing a one loss team in the state final, you probably probably have a. I don't know. At this point, you're probably fairly confident. So. They're probably, they're probably, yeah, yeah, Ken. It's hard to interrupt you. They're probably, I mean, they're probably offended. They'd be offended, not, not, not by your model, but I mean, but just in general, like you're, you're right. The, the, the prevailing wisdom is probably what that West Catholic is the favorite, but like, like, heck yeah, you're offended. Like, you know, we're undefeated. We play good football too. Like, who, you know, who do all these so called experts think they are? You know, let's, let's go, right. let's go get them. That's right. Mm-hmm. And there is, it is an interesting dynamic with that too with with um some of these upper peninsula teams that maybe don't get the uh the notoriety that you know the the ones that are you know teams that are in the metro detroit area or you know the west side of the state where you know football is so huge um you know nagani you know teams like that can can fly under the radar even though they are undefeated so that's 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 why they play the game on the field right you're there is a definite um, I can, I can say that not from a coaching perspective, but even just a general fan perspective. And, and I, and I think it's pretty prevalent throughout the state that you're right. If, if you're not in the tri-county area, um, and you know, the Detroit area or you're from the Western part of the state, like you must not play good football, you know, and that's just not, that's just not the case. Yeah. There's a perfect um, segue into our next division. Yeah. Yeah. Division five. Um, we got another undefeated matchup, um, but you know, probably uh, a school in Gladwin where uh, a lot of pe- people didn't think they'd be here. Um, they pulled out a great victory last week uh, versus Grand Rapids Catholic central. And then um, uh, versus Frankenmuth at 13 and all this game is going to be played Saturday at four 30 um, should be a pretty a- interesting matchup. Uh, Cannon, what does the, the model say about this one? 
Yeah, so I, I first want to start off with something I said in my newsletter this morning. Um, this everybody is 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 celebrating Gladwin right now and hyping them up and rightfully so. Uh, very nice win or a huge win, one of the biggest upsets of the year in terms of notoriety. Um, right, Grand Rapids Catholic Central has won how many straight D five state championships, D four state championships. They had the state's longest win streak until this year. That sort of thing. Um, and, and so the notoriety and the, and, the, and the respect for Gladwin on pulling that win is absolutely deserved. Where it is not, uh, but but where that diverges with ratings is, uh, and this is what we said in our newsletter, we already had Gladwin rated very highly. In fact, we only had a four-point spread on that game. And games with four-point spreads are won by the favorite only about 55% of the time, 54% of the time. So we know knew going into that game, we as in Goose Poop, knew Gladwin was a very good team and absolutely capable of making the final. Um, and so that's, that's kind of, if you know, if you're analyzing these games, you kind of have to diverge the notoriety you're giving Gladwin to how good are you improving Gladwin by? I would tell you that their win over Grand Rapids Catholic Central only slightly improves them in the, in the model's eyes, right? They went from being very, very good to slightly more very, very good, right? <laughs> uh, so anyways, it's kind of a complicated uh, dynamic there, but I wanted to make sure that that got across. Um, on the other side uh, is, is, uh, is, is, a, is Frankenmuth, who has been rated above the Grand Rapids Catholic Central and Gladwin tier all year long. So much so... We've got a 10-point spread out on this game, which might shock you at first, right? Especially given all of the news you've seen about Gladwin beating Grand Rapids Catholic Central, that sort of thing. But I just want to focus you on one team that's not in this final that will kind of give people some introspective as to why this 10-point spread is being put out by the computer, right? This is what the computer is zoning in on. And that team is Pontiac Notre Dame Prep. Okay, why are we, why are we talking about a team that uh, has not been in the playoffs for a couple rounds. Well, Pontiac Notre Dame prep played Gladwin and in a week seven game. It was a great game. We had it as one of our games of the week. It was a back and forth game and Gladwin pulled away. I believe at the end, maybe led for, you know, a few quarters um, and ended up winning by six. Notre Dame prep had a great season, ended up getting knocked out by country day and lost by 14. I don't know exactly how that game went, but I know what the ultimate score was. They lost by two scores, right? Okay. Who did Frankenmuth just get done playing? Country Day. And they beat them by 38. Also, they famously did not allow a first down all game out of Country Day. And so what is flowing through the model right now is that Frankenmuth beat Country Day by 38. That same Country Day team beat Notre Dame Prep by 14. Gladwin only beat Notre Dame prep by six. And so you can kind of daisy chain it, uh, which is exactly what the model does and say, okay, wow, uh, Frankenmuth maybe is a score and a half better than Gladwin, right? Um, that's, that's kind of the, the, the framework, you know, kind of explaining the numbers there, why, why, why the model's spitting out that result, so. Anna, do you, by chance, I mean, I mean, your model is your model, right? But you, you personally analyzing these games, um, where does the human element come in for you? So meaning, obviously, common opponents and scores and all that other stuff, I think can give you a, a good indicator of 
you know, how teams match up, but obviously it isn't perfect and it doesn't happen all the time because they're played by 16, 17, 18 year old kids. So just you personally, not so the model, do you, how much do you take into account um, that aspect of it, the matchups? Yeah. So I, when I'm kind of analyzing these things, you know, I, I don't, I don't release my picks, right. I, I just kind of, I'm, my, my website blog is all about the computer model. Um, but I think you certainly have to see, look at teams who are on, you know, I, I talked in D6 and D8 in St. Francis about teams who are consistently beating the spread, right? All three of those divisions feature teams that have com- consistently beat the spread in the playoffs and consistently improved their rating, right? You have to look at Gladwin the same way as as, uh, as the human element and say, okay, well, they were just a four-point underdog and they ended up winning by seven. Do they outperform again, right? What What's different from Gladwin versus West Catholic versus St. Francis versus Ugly, right? nothing presumably so and you know they probably have more momentum behind them than ever because everybody's telling them you know how good they are after beating you know uh, having the upset maybe the upset of the year so um i think you're exactly right coach uh you kind of i you know if i would if i was uh if this if this were vegas maybe you would take uh, gladwin to cover at the very least uh out of that exact because of that exact dynamic and that's what i mean makes obviously like like the game of football in general is such an emotional sport. Um, so interesting. And I, I think just recently last Saturday, I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch Bedlam, which is one of my favorite ri- rivalry games, Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, right? Like I'm sure all the metrics would have said Oklahoma state would have won. And um, oh, I can't, I think it was Spencer Sanders as Oklahoma state's quarterback. And he really struggled early. I think he threw four picks in the game and like, who, who knows if he was able to handle the pressure mentally, he just, he just struggled and whatnot. And so you don't, you know, you don't always know how, how kids are going to react um, to this type of game. So, which makes it, I mean, it makes it um, quite fun. Yeah. All right. Well, we're halfway home now um, moving into division four, good rich uh, standing at 12 and one versus grand Rapids South Christian 13 and zero. Uh, this is going to be the Friday night, seven 30 game down at Ford field. Um, you have Grand Rapids South Christian who won a close game against Edwardsburg 26-20 and Goodrich um, handily defeating Riverview 51-26. Uh, what are the thoughts on, on this matchup? Yeah, so I love I love this Goodrich team um, be, of all the teams in our uh, – so if you looked at where the, D, the division shook out at the beginning of the playoffs and ranked all the team – the top ten – Goodrich is like the only one that's made an appearance um, that's outside the top five. I think they're like the, they, they started the playoffs as seventh or eighth team. Um, but, you know, kind of similar to the team we've talked about teams that get on a roll and start beating the spreads. They had a big upset in round two against Freeland. And then they've just consistently, they were favored against in their next two games, Orchard Lake, St. Mary and Riverview by only by a few points. And they've consistently beat the spread in each of those weeks and their rating has improved substantially. So I like this. I just love the story of this Goodrich team. You know, it's their first day of finals appearance. Uh, it's, I think it's just, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, it's what we as fans love to consume, right. That, that sort of, that sort of story. Um, that said, the model likes this South Christian team even more. Uh, it's been high on South Christian all year. We've had them as the number two team in the state in D4, up until they beat the number one team, Whitehall, in the regional final. It was a great game. It was tied until the very end. South Christian uh, scored the last touchdown with a few minutes left on the clock. Um, so we we like South Christian by by eight here. That's the spread. It's actually one of the 
it's on the larger end of the spreads, right, right in the middle of, of, of all the games this weekend. But again, you have to kind of keep a keen eye and say this Goodrich team, maybe, maybe they feel a little disrespected. Not a lot of people talking about them all year, right? They lost their first game to Frank and Moose. Um, it's, you know, they're, they're not, you know, traditionally up there with the big boys, right? Maybe they, they just keep rolling like they have in each of the last couple of weeks and, and really close the gap and give the sailors a run for their money. I think that's absolutely a scenario that could happen. So. Yeah. Like I, like I mentioned before, you know, you know Goodrich. So this is their first time in the state finals. Like how, how are they going to respond right to being, um, you know, under the lights at, in Fort field at seven 30, um, you know, the adrenaline and handling the pressure and whatnot. And um, you, obviously this is for everybody here, but like they've reached, you've reached the mountaintop. And like we talked about it last week and a lot of coaches and, and players will say like the, the week before the big game, the championship game is like their favorite, right? Cause you feel like you've made it and, and you, you know, you've accomplished your goal. So um, I, I mean, I'm sure the coaches are going to coach them up this week, obviously anyway, and prepare against that. And so um you just wonder how they're going to handle it. And uh, yeah, like you said, they're, they're definitely kind of the, the underdog here as well. And it's a real cool story. And um, you know, they're, they're, they're one of the teams that I, I would root for in these finals. All right. Division three, Detroit King, nine and three versus Muskegon, 11 and two. Um, despite a few losses on these teams records, they're, you know, they're, they're strong, strong football teams, obviously Detroit King with a lot of star power, um, this game is going to be played Saturday at 7.30. Um, Detroit King with a 52-17 win versus Mason um, and Muskegon 49-21 uh, over DeWitt. So both teams, um, you know, uh, statement games to, to make it here. Um, so what is the model saying about this one? Yeah, heavyweight matchup between two teams with probably probably two of the teams with the most tradition in the finals or, or, or near the top. Um, and it has the spread to match it. So this is our closest spread all weekend. We've got King by two, which basically means nothing in terms of who's favorited, right? King will be the favorite by name, but uh, it, I would call it a coin flip. Um, and both teams are peaking right at the right time, uh, as you just noted, Tom. So I, I think this will be a great game. And it's actually our second highest over under. Um, it's, it's, it's actually like 67 points. So that's, uh, you know, a point less than the D eight game. So we expect, we expect both teams to score five times a piece and it's going to be a great one to watch. Uh, it should be very entertaining. Yeah. You could, you could argue this is the best game regardless of division, uh, right here. That'll be the most entertaining. And, and like you mentioned, star power on both. So this will be, this is going to be one we're definitely looking forward to. When you have um, a, uh, a guy like Dante Moore, who's such a high recruit, um, when you're coaching against a, a player like that, is it easy to get lost in, in the focus? We got to we got to really focus all our energy on this one guy, yeah, and then get lost in, in um, you know the the idea of you got to you know like the whole team's got to play like you like this is a you know there's eleven men on. on each side, you know, you can't just focus on one guy. Yeah. So, you know, our philosophy is always, okay, if, if this, if they're going to beat us this week, you know, how, how are they going to do it? Like, how do we want them beating us? So what I mean is uh, if you're Muskegon and you don't want to be beaten by Dante Moore, like, you know, you're going to do everything you can to stop him. And um, maybe you play more coverage and make, 
make King run the ball uh, more often than they normally do, like like that kind of thing. So that's that's kind of the thinking when you go against any great player is, um, you know, if we're gonna if they're gonna beat us, like we don't want him beating us. We want somebody else beating us. You know, I guess maybe a basketball analogy is like, all right, we're, we're gonna do everything we can to stop LeBron or make him work super hard and have a little low shooting percentage and have somebody else on the Lakers beat us this game. So um, you're right though. It's very easy to sometimes get caught up in star power and whatnot, but like Muskegon is really tradition rich and they've had some dudes over the years too, you know, so they're not going to be in awe um, by any means. Yeah. All right. So moving on to division two, Warren De La Salle, 12 and one uh, yet, yet another grand rapids school. Uh, they're they're pretty much dominating these these state playoffs. It's Grand Rapids, um, but Grand Rapids, Forest Hills, Central, uh, thirteen and one. Uh, this game's going to be played Friday at one p.m. Um, De La Salle, uh, you know, obviously uh, well known and you know in the around here in uh, Metro Detroit, but uh, definitely uh, no stranger to the to the state playoffs. Um, and, and and Grand Rapids, you know, so two 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 good schools and and. What should be a, a great Division Two football game? Yeah, second of three in a row here, three through one of our of the returning state champions who are looking to repeat. Um, our model will tell you Del Sal is the most likely to repeat. They actually have a thirteen point spread. Uh, they're a thirteen point favorite over FHC. I think this will be an interesting one because De La Salle, obviously very known for their high flying offense. Um, can score a lot of points and FHC doesn't get as much respect because their attribute is a great sound defense. Um, they have the uh, model, the model would tell you that they have a top five defense in the state. And so they've, you know, and you've seen that in some of their results, right? They just limited Dexter to seven points in regulation, a very talented Dexter team. I saw these guys in person against Lowell. Lowell had one of the better offenses uh, on the West side this year. They limited Lowell to seven points. So really in your mind, you, you, you have to think, okay, can FHC hold De La Salle to a River Rouge-type outcome? I'm, I'm talking about when De La Salle played River Rouge. Can you hold them to 19 points like River Rouge did? If they can, then FHC is very much going to be in this game. If they cannot, I don't I, – you know, I think the spread will hold true, uh, basically. So that's, that's what I would look out for. You know, you said that this is the 1 o'clock game on Friday and we were talking about some of the challenges of waking up early and stuff. I, I almost think if, if you're a coach or a player, you, you'd want to play in the earlier games. Um, if, if possible, I mean, you don't have an option or a choice, but like, you know, if you had a choice, like play in the early games, cause you're, you're probably just going to want to get up and go instead of sitting around, think about it all day. Um, just a side note. Yeah. Hey, what do you guys think? This is for both of you. Cause like here in the Metro Detroit area, you know, like, we might not know as much about, um, you know, football on the West side of the state, but what does it say that, you know, for, for Grand Rapids to have such a, um, you know, did this for all three schools, like, like, like just the city of Grand Rapids to have such a presence in these playoffs. Like I, it, it's, it's pretty stunning to me for, you know, someone who's not really familiar with, uh, you know, football on that side of, 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 of the state. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, I'm obviously from the West side, um, so I'm a little biased, but I do know, you know, there's just a lot, there's a lot more going on in the metro area in terms of uh, just entertainment and stuff, uh, I think is one contribution. And then two, there's a, you know, so like, like, you know, there's, there's no Detroit Lions over in the Grand Rapids area, for instance, right? There's no, you can't go watch a Red Wings game, you got to travel across the state, right? That would be one thing. And then two, I think when you have 
uh, insular communities, right? So like, it's not a it's not a as a, a suburb, right? There, that again attributes to the same effect where more people become focused on the game. And so when you have those two things where more people are focused on the game, that can contribute to uh, just like the 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the 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 brand of football going up or the, or that, that sort of thing. So that's not to make an argument that Grand Rapids football is better than the East side. It's just to say, okay, wow, that this is how you can have football be so good over there uh, relative to what you might think, you know, the population of Grand Rapids would normally produce. Right. So maybe like on a, the word for it is like a per capita basis. They're, they're overshooting essentially. That would be my two theories. I know there's a lot more that you're probably asking for Tom, but. <laughs> well, no, I, it is, it is fascinating to me um, because there is, I mean, you think of almost like, like, like football, it's huge in Michigan, like all over Mich Michigan's definitely, uh, you know, it's not Texas or California, but it, it's right up there with, with some of the best high school football in the country. And for us down here, in the Detroit area, it's easy for us to stay focused on the schools that are close to us, like a, like a De La Salle or Detroit King, where we're very familiar with those schools and how they play and, and, and their, and you know, how um, star studded those teams can be. Um, and we don't always understand how good the football is, you know, over there as well. But if, when you put the state together as a whole, it, um, it's right up there with some of the best in, in the country. And, and it's not because of just Metro Detroit, you know, it is because of the West side, because there is, you know, good teams up North. So, you know, it's an interesting dynamic. I, I think. The other thing I would add is um, there's the, so our middle division, middle divisions are usually carried by our private schools um, when Grand Rapids does show up to the, the state finals. And so, and we just have like, we don't have a lot of big, big private schools. I don't think we have a single D1 private school over on the, or a D2 private school, or even a, I think we might have one D3 private school on the, on, on that side of the state. So like our big private schools are actually in smaller divisions. Right. And so, you know, that kind of, that's like a niche that they like the South Christians, the Catholic centrals, the West Catholics, like there's not, there's not that, you know, if you, if you make the argument that a private school, private schools generally outperform public schools on a per capita basis in, in most sports, right. Like that's a niche, uh, they're they're filling because there's they're an interesting size level. Our largest private schools are actually smaller than Detroit's largest private schools. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, our final game that uh, we're going to cover the Division One Championship, uh, Caledonia twelve and one versus Belleville. Uh, this is the Saturday one o'clock game at Ford Field, and um, Belleville uh, sur survived you know, barely 29, 28 in overtime versus uh, Detroit cast tech, which went down as just an absolute thriller. Um, and uh, that, I mean, it lived up to all the hype, you know, and then some probably. Um, and then Caledonia uh, 21, nothing, you know, a shutout over, you know, a very good Clarkston team. Um, so uh, definitely um, a very, very interesting matchup in, in this one. Um, you know, first, uh, Okay, and why don't you uh, talk about what the model thinks? But then uh, we definitely got to talk um, um, about the, you know, the kind of the story that's going on with Belleville right now. But as far as like just what the what the model says, uh, let's start there. Yeah. So in D one, we've had two teams rated as number one and number two basically since week five about, and that's been Caledonia and Rockford. 
they're both on the West side. They both play each other. In fact, they played each other twice this year, uh, splitting the games. Um, you know, that's just the model. I input no bias into it. And so, you know, you, me looking at that, you, you do get a little worried uh, because I obviously want the model to be correct. You're like, okay, well, these West side teams, they haven't really crossed the state at all. I think Caledonia played Holt. Can't remember who Rockford's non-conference games were. I think they were both West side. You're like, okay, is that, is that properly rated? Right. I think last week kind of validated the model in some respects that Clarkson team is very, very good. They have some very good wins under their belt. They have some very good talent and Clarkson shut them out 21 zero. That's a very impressive win. And so, whereas if you would ask me going into last week uh, and how confident are you in your, in your model, right? It's favored in Caledonia over Belleville. It says Caledonia is the best team in the state. I would have been, been a little uneasy about it. Now I'm, uh, you know, I'm rolling with my numbers. It's uh, the math is the math. And I think the results to date have proven on the field. We're going to favorite Caledonia over Belleville by six points. So um, on the other, on the other side, that Caledonia cast tech game was fantastic. I watched it on TV. Uh, just a great battle. You got to love when games go to OT just from a fan's perspective. Um, the one thing I'll say is great win for Belleville, but we would say the model would say they underperformed. So we had Belleville by a touchdown. They actually ended up only winning by one. Right. So, just uh, just uh, just a uh, if you're looking at how these two teams are trending, Caledonia is going up, right? They they won 21-0 when they had a 12 point spread on their last game, and Belleville's going slightly down, right? They didn't underperform by a lot, but they were projected to beat Cast by seven, and they only won by one. So that's that's kind of where the trends are at. Um, obviously, like I said, we've got Caledonia by six. Coach Barnes, I want to ask you. Um, so Belleville won the game in overtime uh, by going for it. Uh, for going for a two-point conversion, which obviously they successfully did. Um, for you, what do you think was going on in, in that moment? And, and I know you're kind of an aggressive coach in your own right. Is that the choice you would have gone with too, like to just go for the win? Um, and, and how nerve-wracking as a coach would it be to, to have, you know, the one play and it's all or nothing, you you – you know, you got to, you got to get this two point conversion. You've decided to go for it. Um, if you get it, you're in the state finals. If you don't, you're out and you're, you know, your team's crushed and, and it, it's just heartbreaking. How, how hard is it to make decisions like that when you're coaching on the sidelines? Um, well, for me personally, um, we, like we have the philosophy in myself as a, you know, and my personal philosophy is like, you know, we're, we're, here for a reason let's let it all hang out like let's go do it and so we're we know we're going to be aggressive in situations like that and so knowing that um you know when you're in the moment you don't think about all the other stuff that would make you nervous right so you don't think about um you know we had a situation like that where we won a game by a point going for two um at the end of the game and um you know our homecoming win and I mean, we got it, thankfully. And it was funny. It was a bad step to our quarterback and our running back picked it up right, you know, right place at the right time and went around the end and scored. But I mean, you don't think about that stuff. If you, if you think about all that other stuff, you're just going to, you're going to get nervous. The kids are going to get nervous and it's not going to um, be successful. So just, I mean, in the moment, uh, credit to the Belleville staff for making that call and um, thinking about it. I'm sure they thought about it ahead of time. Like we get into this situation, what are we doing? And they were definitely talking about that going into overtime anyway you know that wasn't a they scored and now they're down one hey what should we do kind of thing I mean they were they were talking about the 
the play, what, what they're thinking, what they're going to do anyway, then it, it, it helps when you've got some dudes, you know, that are really good football players that you can, you can trust, you know, putting the ball in their hands and let them do things. And so, um, you know, props to them. It worked out. And, uh, I, it's, I, it's ironic Cannon, that you mentioned that the model had them a little bit, um, higher on cast tech. I just, I just have so much respect for coach rushing and, and the cast tech guys and, and, and their guys and, and what they do. And so, um, they had every opportunity to win. Um, and you're right. That was a really good football game to watch from a fan's perspective. Yeah. So with this game, um, and we spoke about the difference between like the model and the human element of the game, this game, obviously, if you follow the news, um, has, has a huge human element to it because, um, the situation going on in, in Belleville with the head coach, uh, Crowell, um, being fired, um, you know, we don't have to get, I don't want to get too into the situation, but I do wonder, um, from both you guys' perspectives, like the weight, that a situation like that can carry on the players and, and, and the coaching staff that now has to step up, um, you know, you know, um, during, um, you know, like you're in the state championship and, and you've got something so uh, a situation so huge looming over your team. So um, I guess, can I'd say from, from your perspective, um, how much do you think the model versus a situation as, as big as this, how does, how do those factor? And then, you know, uh, for coach Barnes, I would ask you, um, as a coach, how, how would you rally the players around it? Um, and, and then to, to try to stay focused on, on what's ahead of them. So I uh, can't, you, you can go first with that. Yeah, it's certainly an interesting question, Tom. It's, it's really hard to answer because it's, you could probably make a compelling argument as to both ways as to how this would affect Belleville. Right. Um, if you, if you, if you think, you know, if you take the negative outlook, you would say this would distract the players from preparing this week. Um, they're not focused on the game. They're focused on what's on Twitter and they don't prepare well enough. And, and they, they, you know, they underperform next week, right? They'll be the bad case. The, the good case is that they get really pissed off that they're, you know, they, they take the view that their coach was wrongfully fired, right? Not weighing in on whether that's correct or not. Um, and they get pissed off by it and it brings them together. And now they feel even more strongly that they're playing against uh, you know, that they're, they're fighting for something even more than uh, just a state championship, right. They're fighting to get their coaches respect back or something like that. Right. So you could, you could probably make those arguments both ways. I'm not sure which one is true for Belleville. So, but so I, I would say human elements, right. But the, the tricky part is which way is it, is it pointing? Is it a negative event? Is Belleville making it a negative event or a positive event? Yeah, obviously, when uh, when you've gone through uh, a grind of, of a season in the last couple of seasons at Belleville and Co Coach Crowell has been there for, I want to say, nine years now. I mean, obviously, you build relationships with the kids in the community and, you know, all all those kids, I'm sure, have his back and want to play hard for him. And, you know, as a as a coaching staff, the guys, the coaches that are that are coaching in the game now, you know, the challenge is right. You you can't not acknowledge it like you have to acknowledge it and it's and it's important for um, the kids to recognize that like, you know, coach isn't going to be here, but I, I would like to think even coach Crowell would say, you know, it's not about him. It's about the kids in this game and this, this moment for them. And, you know, he'd probably want them to play for those reasons. And I think as coaches, um, you know, it's their job to stress that to them that at the end of the day, you know, it's about you guys and your memories and this is your senior season. Like, 
you know, all the coaches, like we're, we're all old guys. Like we've already had those memories. Right. So it's about you guys. And at the end of the day, it's still blocking and tackling and um, catching passes and, um, and whatnot. And so, you know, I, I'm getting like, they're going to be ready to play. Um, you know, I, I don't see it as going to be that big of a distraction to be honest with you. I think they're going to come ready to play and get after it and uh, be pretty fired up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it should, it should be a great football game. Like I said, we got a, we got a slate eight, eight state championships will be decided over uh, Friday and Saturday at, at Fort field. Um, it should be uh, just a, a great celebration of uh, high school football in, in the state of Michigan. Um, so fellas, uh, it's been great talking with you guys, talking about these, uh, uh games the last two weeks. Um, hopefully, uh, we can get after it some more, um, neck, 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 uh, next season. And, um, you know, but actually, um, I, 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 am pretty interested to see how these things play out against your, your, your models. Um, like, like we said, um, it's been, uh, pretty accurate so far, so we'll see um but anything can happen in the in these state state championship games you know every battle is going to be uh you know and every game every matchup is you know it's going to be good i mean you're going to have your games that are that are decided by by quite a few points you know you always do but but i think for the most part these games are going to be very competitive that's right i expect just running the numbers and knowing historically how well we do when games are set at a certain spread i expect that of our eight games will be right on about on 5.8 of them is what the math would tell you. So um, obviously that could swing either way, but that would be the, the ex- expectation right now as we get two wrong, two to three wrong. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, we will be back. Uh, well, hopefully soon. Um, now that uh, football season's over for you, coach Barnes, you know, I know we got a, a little more time to, to focus on, on this stuff. And uh, I, I definitely foresee us having uh, some great guests in the future and, uh, you know, going over some, some good topics. Um, we'll try to get creative over the, the winter and into the summer, you know, before uh, next fall's football season. Um, so coach Barnes, you got any final thoughts that, uh, on this one? No, definitely. Uh, Cannon, thanks for being here the last couple of weeks, man. It's been a lot of fun and uh, we, we'd like to have you on again in the future um talking michigan high school football and uh you're a fantastic guest so we appreciate it hey thanks guys i've, I've had a great time both both weeks so it's always a good time on inside yeah. yeah it's been a lot of fun well all right ladies and gentlemen um this has been another episode of inside the coach's office uh for canon dean and uh, coach brian barnes my name is tom Murphy jr and we look forward to some great football this weekend good night